Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Okay, today we're going to talk about knee and foot health on the version that's going to be approved by the Ministry of Truth. Oh gosh, the era of censorship. I never thought I'd see it in this country. Um, but now the second part is losing a generation, and that's that's a big deal. Okay, there's... Uh, a lot of damage being done. But let's talk about the knee and foot health. Now, I encourage you to, to sign up for the Dr. B VIP. It's DRB VIP. It's $2.97 a month, and, and that will go a long way to supporting what we're doing. But also, you get on there and you can share this information. Because a lot of the information, particularly on the censored portion now, um, literally could save lives. So we've got to get it out there. Now, also, I encourage you to get on the Extreme Health Academy. I'm on there at least um, once a month and answering questions about every other week on how your body works. And there's communities on there that people that have had tons of, of challenges and real solutions. It's just brilliant. So let me tell you my history of knees. Now, when I was 22 years old, I fell off a three-story building, shattering my right patella. Um, and then when I was 30 years old, I was hit by a car, breaking both my tibias, both my knees. And um, now after four operations, I was still hurting. Um, I changed from being a contractor, which is where I got my practical approach to humans, um, into uh, studying to be a chiropractor. And it was brilliant because I learned so much about anatomy, physiology, neurology. And, and this is the key. So what we have to look at first is how your system actually works. Now, you have an automatic nervous system. One part literally keeps you alive under stress, and the other part regenerates tissue. Now, this is hugely important because when you're thinking about this, um, it, under stress, and now I was under stress all the time. You know, four operations, they're talking about regenerating the knees. But at the time, I was also seeing a chiropractor. And the chiropractor is telling me, look, your body is designed by God. It's brilliant. It's self-healing. It's self-regulating. And then I'd go back to the medical world, and they'd say, well, yeah, you know, a few more operations will replace your knees, and they'll last a good 10 to 15 years, and we'll have to keep doing that. And it's it's just like, I respected both of these people, but, but one didn't make sense. So now, we have this automatic nervous system. Part of it is in the pelvis. Now, this is hugely important because when you have knee issues, you're going to be damaged in the pelvis. Just think about it. If you're walking and you have a knee problem or a foot problem and you start to, you know, bend off to the side or walk a little bit crooked or not have an even gait, I'm telling you, the sciatic nerve comes out of there. Pain when sitting, bladder control, sexual dysfunction, um, foot pain, knee pain. Um, and what are the some? What's it from? Well, low, low back problems, um, lack of movement, antacids. I mean, a lot of this stuff can can actually result from trauma from the knee and the foot to having altered biomechanics in the pelvis. That's why when we talk about knee and foot health, 
you got to look at pelvis, you got to look at the low back, and you got to look at the automatic nervous system. It's huge. I'm going to bring up a couple of cases, and these are real patients with real results. Now, one one patient, she actually had polio when she was a kid, but it was interesting. It was a polio that only affected her lower tibia. And, and figure the whole leg, the top part is called the femur, lower part is called the tibia and fibula, and, and that one just didn't grow. So that's about an inch and a half shorter than it should be. Now the femurs are the same length, but that inch and a half is altering the pelvis, and it's also altering the structures of the knee. So what is this also going to affect? It could affect the, the uh, ability to empty your bladder. It can affect the parasympathetic nervous system. Uh, so it's absolutely essential to, when you have a knee issue, to look at the whole body. And I, I cannot stress that. Now, knowing that the pelvis is so gosh darn important, um, you have to understand that there's no muscle that crosses the back half of the pelvis. There's a couple of muscles that cross the front half. The most common one is piriformis. So if you've been diagnosed with some type of knee and foot, and the foot could be plantar fasciitis, it could be bone spurs or heel spurs, but if you um, have had that diagnosis, you've got to understand there's probably going to be um, an unstable pelvis. And a, a lot of people don't understand that piriformis syndrome is not a muscle just spasming out randomly. Piriformis crosses the front part of that sacral iliac joint. And so piriformis syndrome is really not a syndrome. Okay, it has to do with pelvic instability. And what's that from? That's going to be from disc injuries in the low back or some kind of altered biomechanics of the foot, the calf, the knees, or the hip. So detective work on finding out what's involved is hugely important. Now, one thing that we do to stabilize the pelvis is utilize either a trochanter support, and this is one of the fantastic uh, tools that we have. And where it goes, the trochanter support is only about three to four inches wide, but it typically has two Velcro poles. And if you put your hands on your side where your rib cage is, push in and push down, you're going to run into the top of the pelvis. And that's the peak of the pelvis. And where this is put is one inch below the top of the pelvis. So it's going right across the sacrum. And this is one of the things that is fantastic. But if you don't have a trochanter support, which only works when you're standing or walking, and you want to sit in a chair, sit backwards in a chair, just like a cowboy or a cowgirl. Okay, and just, just remember those old cowboy movies where they turn the chair around and they sit around it. Well, th what that does, that spreads the legs out really, really wide and approximates the pelvis and takes a lot of the stress off of that sacral iliac joint. Uh, so hugely important that you learn how to sit. Or if you don't have a chair that you sit behind, sit on the very edge of your office chair spread your legs out really, really wide, and that's also going to approximate that. Hugely important. Um, we're going to bring up another patient, 56-year-old guy. And, and it's interesting because I showed this guy's knees to a, a physical therapist that works for me in, down in Mexico. And, uh, you know, when you're looking at it, 
Um, one knee has a thin film of cartilage where you can see a line between the femur, which is the bone on the top, and the tibia, the bone on the bottom. And the other one, you can't really see a line in half of the joint. You can see half of it open. And they're bad knees, but the tibia itself, where that femur, the top one, where it rides on there, there wasn't a lot of distortion. And so I'm looking at it thinking, hey, this is actually pretty, pretty decent knee joint. We can get a lot of stuff working on this. And uh, it, it, she was going, oh, my God, it's so horrible. Well, you've got to understand that cartilage is alive. Cartilage will grow. Um, and when they say it's avascular, that means that there's no blood vessels to it. And that's because that femur, when it is sitting on that tibia, um, any blood vessels there would be crushed. So it gets its nutrients, the cells keep alive from this fluid inside of the joint. So that's right, your knees are hydraulic, they're fluid-filled. And just picture somebody walking, or if you're not driving, you know, just, just walk, take one or two steps. What happens when your leg is swinging through the air? Well, that's creating a negative pressure, forcing an increase of blood flow to that joint, increase in synovial fluid production, because there's fluid inside of that joint, and that's called synovial fluid. When you go to stand on it, bam, pressure increases and you're squishing the fluid out. So just walking, you have a negative, positive, negative, positive pressure, and that allows that joint to be healthy. So it's really movement of that joint helps that joint to be healthy. Now also, you've got the quadricep on top, and the quadricep is huge. You're talking four muscles, largest muscle group in the body. And in the very end of it, uh, is this patella, this kneecap. Now, on some of the x-rays, you'll see there's two muscles that kind of guide the action or, or direction of the patella. One of them is called vastus medialis, and that's on the inside. The other one's vastus lateralis. That's on the outside. So when you take an x-ray, if you see that kneecap way the heck off to the side, or, or a dot in a position it should be, you know that every time that person takes a step, that kneecap is not functioning directly in, the, in line where it should be. So there's altered mechanics. And that's what you have to look at. When you're looking at a knee, you're looking at altered biomechanics. And that means that, that something's not working right. So rarely is it ever the knee. Okay, I mean, if you're sitting around laying down and somebody comes up and beats your knees with a baseball bat, okay, great. But if you're run over by a car and you break your knees, okay, I got to tell you, there's more involved in just the knees. Because if being hit by a car, and I've got some experience on that, there's going to be some pelvic trauma. There's going to be a fractured sternum. There's going to be a lateral deviation of the spine. There's going to be um, completely altered mechanics on rehabbing. And if the joint is distorted, you've got to rehab and relearn how to use that distorted joint. Um, it, it, hugely important. Now, intimately connected to the knee is the calf, the lower leg. Inside of this muscle... It's called the soleus. Now, the soleus muscle is the soleus pump. And the, figure that foot is about as far away from the heart as you can get. Uh, so what's, what's in there, and that heart is one of the main pumps of the body. It actually initiates the blood flow. And then the arteries constricting and dilating help, help that blood flow flow. 
but inside of that muscle in the back of the calf that soleus is called the soleus pump so does that mean that if you have altered mechanics of the foot where your foot can't lift up and lifting the foot off the ground is called dorsiflexion um, and then point your toes down to the ground like a ballet star is called plantar flexion if you're missing dorsiflexion or plantar flexion is limited you're going to have altered function of that muscle called the pump the soleus can desiccate or dry up so you've got to look at the biomechanics of the foot and the calf when talking about knee issues or knee injuries so what we'll do we'll look at the toe now a normal foot the toe should be going straight okay like if you're standing up the toe should be going straight out and um, what's interesting is if you see um, like bunion formation or if that big toe is starting to lean towards the other toes that bone isn't growing it's the muscles around it shrinking and so once you understand that when you see that bunion formation you know you got compromised nerve supply to that that foot foot or the intrinsic muscles the muscles inside of the foot that operate the foot are compromised now where does that nerve come out of well it comes out of the base of the spine or the pelvis area so isn't that interesting that during the exams I'll go in and I'll say um, what is um, uh, uh, take off your shoes first and then I'll look at their toe and if the big toes lean towards the other ones next thing I'll ask is how many bowel movements a day are you getting and they'll typically say one if I'm lucky okay if you see that bunion formation because that bunion formations means that they've got compromised nerve supply to that foot or they've got pelvic instability and what's housed inside of that pelvis bam that automatic nervous system resting digesting and repairing and then you'll find out that these people have poor bowel movements you know one bowel movement a day or they got sexual dysfunction erectile dysfunction or or, or um, some type of uh, pelvic issue bladder leakage poor sleep patterns I mean a host of different problems and so we've got to um, stabilize the pelvis restore the gait restore that biomechanics of the foot restore the knee biomechanics to get the whole body healthy so think of this we're talking about knee and foot health and I'm saying that the knee joints are hydraulic and the foot has these intrinsic muscles that form it into this spring this beautiful beautiful arch and that spring of walking okay is essential now if you have an abnormal foot you're going to have an abnormal gait which causes the pelvis to destabilize and housed in that pelvis is the automatic nervous system controlling digestion reproduction of tissue fight or flight it's everything so in that pelvis is the rest digest repair or part of the parasympathetic nervous system so if you have altered pelvic function you're talking altered sexual function altered sleep pattern altered digestion everything so it's it's odd when you understand anatomy and physiology that you would have healthcare professions that don't look at the body's ability to assimilate nutrients reproduce healthy tissues and really 
um, adapt to the environment, and they're not looking at that that has essential to the recovery of the patients. Now, one of the things that you might find interesting is that that doctors typically aren't involved in the end result. They're paid by prescribing medications for symptoms that they're diagnosing. That's it. They're not if so like if you have pain, joint pain, and you're given a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, Advil, Motrin, Aleve, you know, whatever. Okay? And this is actually going to destroy the building block of cartilage. It can damage kidneys and it can damage the heart. But if you're doing something correct, like prescribing it according to the label, then you're not going to get in trouble. So that is just dumb and dumber. So the way a real doctor is going to approach knee issues is not to just look at the knee. You've got to look at the biomechanics of the foot has intimately connected of that then you've got to look at the biomechanics of the calf because those knee joints are hydraulic. You've got to make sure that calf is working. And does that mean varicose veins are a contributing factor? Absolutely. Because if you have varicose veins, that means that the deep veins are not working the way they're designed. And so if that deep vein, which means you're not getting good dorsiflexion or good movement of that calf, that that the superficial veins, the veins that run on the surface, have to be utilized beyond their design capabilities. So so they're going to swell up and look funky and be painful, all because the calf isn't working correctly. Now you get these these brilliant surgeons who are doing these restripping the veins, okay? But they're not restoring the calf. So what happens? The varicose <laughs> veins come back. It's like, gosh, that, you know, it's just mind-blowing. But real doctors, when presented with knee pain or foot pain, they're going to look at the body's ability to heal. They're going to look at the biomechanics. They're looking at pelvic instability. They're going to look at, at disc injuries in the low back that could be causing the quadricep to not work correctly. You have to look at the whole body. It's called holistic, but it's also called common sense. You've got to look at everything. Now, one of the things that we'll do for the calf and for the foot and for the pelvis is do a calf stretch. And as simple as this sounds, you get a block, and we use a little block of 4x4, four four, put the ball of the foot on the block, heel on the ground, and then you bend your knee. A normal knee will go over the toe. That's going to be ideal. Um, and what you're going to see typically, particularly in someone that's um, fully vaccinated or they're a toe walker or they have central nervous system damage, because these do cause inflammation of the central nervous system, you'll see toe walkers. So you'll see seemingly healthy kids, teenagers, not being able to do this simple exercise. Um, and you hold it for one minute twice a day. So I recommend getting a small block of 4x4 four four and holding it there one minute twice a day. And now we can create a negative pressure. So once you solve the problem, okay, and the problem is not the knee pain. The knee pain is the alarm telling you that there's a problem. Once you've restored, um, got the person to sleep correctly, you've got them out of the physically stressed state, um, then you can start to regenerate the tissue. Now, one of the ways that we'll do it is to do um, a weight. And typically, we'll put between... 10 and 20 pounds per leg if it's a small child, 5 pounds, 
and uh, this opens up or creates a negative pressure on the knee joint. Now, it's super, super important um, that you do not lift the knee up high because that's going to drive that kneecap or patella into the joint, and that can hurt like a freaking crazy man. It's, it's not comfortable. So this is a ligamentous-based exercise where you're just going to be dangling that knee. And I mean just a little bit forward and backwards. Now, if somebody has a balance issue, we'll do a um, leg swinging exercise with a positive stop where they're going to be tapping their toes on like a trash can or back of a chair or something so they get that proprioception or that sensory input back into the brain. So opening up that knee joint, largest knee joint in the body, and doing that leg swinging exercise will start to rehab that knee. You're going to be straining the ligaments of the knee, and straining it is causing inflammation. That inflammation is literally going to cause the body to reach itself. So it's hugely important. Um, and I would do this no more than four or five minutes, um, but we would not give this exercise to somebody with knee pain unless we've identified and are starting to correct the pelvic instability, the foot biomechanics, the disc injuries in the low back. I mean, you've got to find the problem and not just do this leg dangling exercise, even though just doing this leg dangling exercise for just a few minutes, okay, causes a huge amount of relief. So make sure that you get your body, your full body checked before you do these exercises to solve the problems that led to the problem with the degenerated meniscus or anything else, but this is phenomenal. Now, when you're dangling your leg, and this also goes on if you're gonna be getting uh, uh, knee supports or anything like that, know that the knee moves different. It looks like it's just moving like a hinge, but it actually moves twice as much on the inside as it does on the outside. So the knee, when you're dangling or flexing it from 90 degrees straight out, it's actually turning twice as much on the inside as it is on the outside. And just know that that is exactly where uh, the meniscus is, because the most common injury of a knee is on the medial meniscus, and that's on the inside portion of the knee. So if you have a medial meniscus injury, while you're doing the dangling, put a little bit of pressure, and I'm talking maybe one to one and a half pounds of pressure. That's a, that's a little bit less than a kilo of pressure on the inside of the leg. When you're dangling it, you'll feel the tibia moving, and you'll feel the femur kind of stand still, go right to that middle part and you're going to be putting your finger on the meniscus. So if you're dangling it and you're just putting a little bit, like a pound and a half of pressure there, um, you're going to start to, that's called a non-surgical repositioning of meniscus. And it's fantastic because if meniscus is injured <clears throat> and the dynamics of the knee, the medial meniscus is connected to the medial collateral ligament. Okay, and it's also connected to the um, cruciate ligaments. So the anterior one is the most commonly injured. And so what happens is if you're hit from the outside where you're straining the medial aspect of the inside part of the knee, uh, it's called a terrible triad of Donahue. 
the medial meniscus tears, then the medial collateral ligament, then the anterior cruciate ligament, and that's all from an impact injury. Super common in football and sports, and you know it's something that you don't want to do. Um, but if you have a meniscal injury, can do a non-surgical repositioning that using utilizing just the weight. It's it's just absolutely amazing. Then also once you've restored and you remember you got to restore the biomechanics of the foot, you got to restore the biomechanics of the pelvis, stabilize the pelvis, restore the knee. So you've got to get the body working correctly. Then, um, knowing that there's probably a disc injury or something causing the quadricep to not fire, you could got to do a thing called patellar tracking. And this is when the person is laying down on the leg straight, um, you grab the top of the patella on either side. Now, if you push a kneecap straight into the joint, it's going to hurt everybody 100% of the time. So you don't want to push down. You want to push kind of to the side. And I say kind of because in anatomical terms, from the top pushing it down. So if you're going from the top of your leg, you're laying down, and you're putting your hand, sliding it down towards the foot, that's called a superior to inferior. So you want to slide it in that direction, but also from the middle part, the inside of the legs, at an oblique angle down to the outside of the leg. Now, if you do that and you're just hooking the patella, you're checking vastus medialis. And you do the same thing. You're going from the outside. You grab that patella and pull it towards the inside at an oblique angle going down. You're checking vastus lateralis. Now, if vastus medialis is weak, typically going downhill is um, more uncomfortable than walking uphill. If vastus lateralis is weak, going uphill is more uncomfortable than going downhill. But that is really a rough guide. Now, there's a couple of exercises that we're going to go over on how to do this, how to strengthen the vastus medialis versus the vastus lateralis. And it's very, very simple. You turn your foot in, okay, while you're doing this leg swinging exercise, and that's going to strengthen vastus lateralis. You put your foot out, kind of like Charlie Chaplin, and that's going to strengthen vastus or medialis. Now, what's interesting is a restorative exercise like this to restore muscle balance. Only want to do maybe a week to two weeks because you can overcorrect. And bodies recover super fast. Now, also, knowing that, again, we're talking about knee and foot health, we utilize a foam piece or a liter water bottle placed when you're sitting in a chair. Bottom of the elbow is the bottom of the water bottle. And so this has a huge effect on restoring the lumbar curve. And L3, the third lumbar, supplies the knee. Um, L4, L5, S1 supply the foot and the floor. So the lumbar is intimately connected with the foot and with the knee. You cannot treat the foot and the knee without looking at the lumbar. I mean, that's just, that's just common sense. You can't work on the knee and the foot if the pelvis is unstable. Again, that's just straight out common sense. So we have got to change um, how you view the body. Okay, D does that make sense? So knee and foot rehabilitation 
you've got to look at the at the entire spine nervous system you've got to look at sleep patterns you've got to look at how the body regenerates tissue because if you're in a stressed state you're not going to be regenerating the tissue and this is why at the end of every health talk i put up the five keys to health number one nerve supply why would you need healthy nerve supply to repair a knee well for one you need the gastroc uh, you need that soleus muscle back in the back of the calf where the gastrocs are to be working correctly. You've got to restore the nerve supply to the foot so that you can get the arches back. You've got to have a healthy nerve supply to the quadricep, and you've got to have that rest digester repair, which is housed in the, in the pelvis area, to work correctly to regenerate the body. So you need proper nerve supply. You need regular exercise to move every joint every day. You need proper nutrition. That means if God makes it, you don't. You can eat it. If man makes it, don't. You need sufficient rest to regenerate the body. And you do need prayer and meditation. Thought has energy. Thought has power. Prayer has power. It has, you know, and people will say, how can you do this? You're so religious. No, I'm, I'm talking about physiology. If you think your body stressed, uh, it's hard for you to regenerate tissue. If you have a connection with a power greater than you, you have a better chance to heal. So nerve supply, exercise, nutrition, sufficient rest, and prayer and meditation. If you take care of those five keys, you'll be able to regenerate your joints because honestly, if you regenerate your body faster than it breaks down, that's called health. If you break down faster than you build up, that's called a lack of ease or dis-ease. And that is unacceptable. No, my friends, your body is made in the image and likeness of God. And despite the insanity, the mass insanity of the medical system and the mass insanity of our governments, okay, we are going to get this world back. And people are going to be walking by a mirror, looking at their reflection, and smiling because you're made in the image and likeness of God. You are made as a, a self-healing, self-replicating machine. This is Dr. John Bergman, your voice of reason. God bless you, and I love you.